So it's during the final moments with someone that, that the absolute most important words are spoken. I think about as my daughters are getting older and, and then they'll be leaving for college soon. I think the final words that I have with them before they leave for college are going to be words I hope that are filled with love and encouragement, maybe even some last-minute final instructions from their old man kind of thing. Or, or I think about some families that, that have family members leaving for the military, and I would imagine that those words, those final words spoken are even more special. Those are words you want to be filled with, with not only love and encouragement, but of how proud you are of them, and, and maybe even some final preparations being made. I've even, I've had the opportunity of sitting alongside people taking their final breaths in life, and, and I tell you in those moments, words spoken are incredibly special. Those words have even more significance. There's, there's no wasted words in those moments. Everything spoken is worth listening to and taken to heart. And so I think that is why these next words from Jesus are, are even more critically important for us to hear because these are the final words Jesus speaks to his followers. And he says this to them in Matthew. It says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you hear in this passage, these words are words that are filled with love and filled with encouragement, filled with hope, but they're also words that are filled with instructions. With, with a command. It's here that Jesus tells his followers in these final words. He says, look, guys, go help others to become more like me. Show them what it is like to, to be like me and help them to become like that. And that is our goal as Christ followers. It's to become more like Jesus and to help others become more like Jesus too. Jesus wants us to love people like He loved them. He wants us to speak with truth and grace to people just like He did. He wants us to pray like He prayed. He wants us to look at our job, at our finances, at our relationships, at, at, our, at, at our, the poor, at all these things. He wants us to look at that stuff just like He did. And so, if this is Jesus's big vision for us as Christ followers, then it, I guess it begs the question this morning, how? How do we do this? I, I mean, there have been many, many people throughout the years since Jesus spoke these words that have tried to make this difficult. They've tried everything, it seems, to make this a more difficult task. We've made up rules to follow. We've made up man-made commands to follow. All these traditions that we try to keep up with in order to make this happen. 
And so instead of making this a more difficult task over these three weeks, we want to keep things simple. And that is why these, this three-week series we've titled Simple, we're going to dig deeper into four key environments. Last weekend, uh, Pastor Todd, he, he dove into the circle environment. And, and, and our four, our row, circle, chair, go. Pastor Todd dug into the circle environment last week. This week, we're going to look at the, the row and the chair. And then next week, Pastor Eric will be back to dig deeper into the go environment. It's these four environments in combination with each other that, that are, are where we will see the power of the environments in helping to transform us to become more like our teacher, Jesus. And so uh, this week, we want to look at the row in the chair. So let's just start together with the row this morning. Because this is, this is where we all are right now. We are in the row. This is what we're experiencing. This is what thousands of people experience in our cities and our towns every single Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday nights. You're here today and you're sitting in a row. In fact, let's be honest, some of you have been sitting in the same row for a long time. And so if you're a guest with us this morning, or maybe this is your second or third time here, word of warning, choose wisely because where you're sitting now is likely where you'll be forever. You know, most people in our churches on a morning like today, they got up early, showered I hope, ate some breakfast, drove to a building here where we're praying together, where we're singing together, where we we're worshiping together. We're looking at Scripture together. We're here teaching together. And then this is the primary role of the row environment. It is that you come, people come, somebody speaks, and others listen. And sometimes, though, I get asked this question. Maybe you've heard this question. The question of, well, why do I want to spend my Sunday morning going to church? I mean, I'm doing just fine without it. Is it really that important to come to church on Sunday morning? I mean, I don't have to believe in God. I don't have to go to church to believe in God, right? To which I respond, you're right. You, you don't. However, you don't have to drive in a car without a seatbelt or walk through the woods during deer season without wearing hunter orange, but it doesn't make it a great idea. The row here is a critical environment to, to becoming more like Jesus. How do I know this? Because as we look throughout Scripture, we see the row as being a critical part of Jesus' very own ministry. Let me show you just a couple examples of this. The first one I want to show you is in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. He taught there in a synagogue every Sabbath day. And there too the people were amazed at his teaching, for they spoke with authority. It says he went to Capernaum, which was kind of his headquarters for ministry. And as he's there, he's teaching in the synagogue. People are listening. He's teaching. This is the row environment that we see here. And then let me show you one more. It's just the very next chapter. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, 
Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. I love this story because this becomes the story of four guys that climb to the roof of the worship center that Jesus is teaching in, and they hack a hole in the roof to lower their friend who is paralyzed down to Jesus because so many people are there that they can't get to him, so that's the only way they can get to him. They lower their friend down so that Jesus can heal him. I love this story. And yet, all I can think is if you're going to climb to the roof of the worship center and you're going to jackhammer a hole in it to lower your friend down, the least you can do is fill out a Connect card. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. Bad joke. (laughs) Although this distraction uh, would have been big here, interrupting the environment of the row in this situation, it's clear that we see Jesus teaching and others listening. That's the environment of the row. But then I wonder, the big question I wonder is this. What difference does it make? How is being here in the row really going to help me to become more like Jesus? To which I want to point us to this verse in Luke 6.40. And in this verse it simply says that students are not greater than their teacher. It says that the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. The row is is helping us to become more like Jesus because it's in the row that we're receiving instruction. It's in the row that we learn how to worship together, that we learn how to pray together, that we learn how to interpret Scripture together, that we learn how to be more like our teacher. But here's the catch. It can't just stop with listening. Because if that was true, then every single person that ever came to church on a regular basis would always leave and always be growing and always be looking more like Jesus. And I think we all know that is not the case. I know people, and you know people, who have been coming to church for years and years, and yet they don't seem to be growing. They don't seem to be coming more like Jesus. Why? What's missing in this equation? If we are to come and listen, then what's happening here? I think what's missing is our response. It's not just enough to come and and hear. It, It is in the row that we come and listen, but then... But then we are to respond. Listen to these words from Jesus. It says, he he asked them, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? He's saying, why do you keep saying you care about what I'm asking? Why do you keep saying you want to follow me? Why do you keep saying all these things and calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then what? Follows it. And then follows it. Don't forget this critical step. Because Jesus is saying it's not just enough to call me Lord. It's not just enough to come and listen if our hearts remain unchanged. He's saying we must listen, but then we must follow. 
And that's why at the end of each of our row experiences here at the chapel, our desire and our hope is that you will leave more likely and less likely. Let me explain what I mean. We hope that you will leave from being here this morning more likely to forgive. More likely to trust God in whatever circumstance you are going through in your life. More likely to give things away to be generous. More likely to serve without recognition. More likely to be like Jesus. And then we hope you leave less likely. Less likely to harbor a grudge against your brother or sister. Less likely to demand to be the center of attention. Less likely to lose your temper when you pull out of the church and you get on 250 heading back home to Norwalk and somebody pulls out in front of you going 10 miles an hour under the speed limit in the left lane. Not that I struggle with that. Less likely to operate out of selfish ambition. Uh, I know I can't force people here, but let me share my own experience because I don't know where I would be in my life without, without the influence of the row and firemen. See, it was my dad, he gave his life to following Jesus when I was just a little guy. And so my family began to go to church. And it was in this little Baptist church that we attended that I began to hear Bible stories for the first time. I I went to Sunday school and and heard the stories. And then on Wednesday Wednesday nights, we would go to a, 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 a group called Awana. And I learned Bible verses. I memorized them. And those verses are still, to this day, stuck in my head. I can still recall them. Jesus still uses them in my life. It, It was... In the row environment that I gave my life to following Jesus. It's in the row environment that I was baptized. It's in the row environment that in the eighth grade I met for the first time who the person who's now my wife. Even though she was dating this guy named Todd Hoskins and he was a jerk. But that's <laughs> another story for another, another weekend. It's in the row that my life was changed. I've come to the row frustrated. And I've left with understanding. I've I've come to the row holding things tightly. And I've left feeling so much more open-hearted. I've come to the row with a heart of greed and of pride. And I've left feeling more generous and humble. I've come to the row, hurt and tired, and I've left rested and at peace. It's in the row that we become more like Jesus. It has impacted my life, and I wonder if it's impacted yours too. And if it hasn't, then maybe let me give you some next steps to help. Let me give you just three. The first one is this. Commit to making the row a priority. Commit to making this a priority. Boy, not just for this series, but the next series in a couple weeks, we start a a study in Colossians. That's going to be great. All the way leading into Christmas, we have some different series. Be a part of those. Commit to being a part of them. 
come to services asking the question, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to know today? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to feel? What do you want me to change in my life as a result of what happens in this place this morning? And please understand, this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't judgment if you can't come because everyone has stuff. I get that. It, it happens. That's not what this is about. This is about making the row environment a priority because when you make it a priority in your life, your kids will make it a priority in their life. When you make this a priority in your life, then all your friends, your coworkers, and your neighbors who don't know Jesus will look at you and see that, and just maybe, just maybe they'll come. It's about making it a priority because we know that it's important to becoming more like Jesus. Make it a priority. Maybe next step number two for you is this. Look for or, or sign up for other row opportunities. Boy, this, this fall and winter, we're going to launch into a whole bunch of new formations and focus and foundations classes Times will all be in the what's happening guides and all those things. Look for opportunities to take advantage of the row environment. Get involved in those things that are offered so we can continue to grow together, learn together, and become more like Jesus together. And maybe the third one that I'll give you is simply this. Don't leave unchanged from this place. Don't just come to check a box off your to-do list. Don't just come because you feel guilty or you feel judged. No, come because you know that becoming more like Jesus is critical and this is the place that is going to happen. Come ready to change and then leave changed. You know, maybe it's not too hard of a sale talking you into coming to the row. I mean, after all, you're in the row right now. So you're here. But the row isn't the only environment here that we become more like Jesus. There's another one, and this is, this is the environment of the chair. It's this environment. And I recognize that this environment of the chair here is a very comfortable environment for some, and it's very uncomfortable for others. I recognize that because it's in the chair that we are going to have alone time with God. It's in the chair that, that, that we are going to block out the noise and the distraction of all the things that are going on around us. And for some, that is comfortable. I love the environment of the chair. I'm an extreme introvert. I like quiet. I like being alone with the Lord. I like blocking out the noise of the world. I enjoy that space. But I recognize for some that's very uncomfortable. I recognize that some, they, they, they like the noise. And they don't like to be alone. And if that is you, I just want to encourage you this morning and the importance of this chair. Because it's in combination with the row environment that the chair is going to become powerful and you will become more like Jesus. How do I know this? Again, I know this because we see this as part of Jesus' own ministry. Check out this verse in Mark 135. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out early to an isolated place to pray. Here we see Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he's taking advantage of chair time. 
Why is he doing this? What's happening here? Well, it's just the day before Jesus does this is a day of chaos. It's a day of, of, of busyness. He, he, the day before Jesus goes off here, he's, he spent the day in the synagogue teaching. He healed a woman who was sick in bed. He was healing people who were demon-possessed. In fact, just a couple of verses earlier in Mark, it says that he healed many people, that he healed many demon-possessed people. It said the whole town, every single person in the town gathered at the front door of the house where Jesus was staying, and they all wanted him. They all needed him. They all were looking for him. They were gathering there. I mean, are you kidding? You talk about being overwhelmed and having a lot on your plate. If I was Jesus, I think in this moment, I would be feeling like pressured, pushed, pulled, overwhelmed, exhausted, tired, all of those things that you could feel, I would be feeling, and I'm sure you've all had those days. If you're a stay-at-home parent, you know exactly what that feels like because you are being pushed and pulled every direction and you're being asked to do unending tasks every single day. But I tell you what, even on our worst days, I don't imagine we've ever experienced anything like Jesus is experiencing here in this scenario. And as a result of this chaos, what does he do? He says he went off early in the morning to have some chair time with his father. I'm not a morning guy. I know my brain doesn't click on till about 10 and four cups of coffee. But there is something very special about being proactive about your day instead of reactive to your day. And you might be thinking right now, Charles, uh, yeah, this, of course, this is, this is Jesus. Of course he's going to do that. It's not fair to compare me with Jesus, to which I would say you're right. It is not fair to compare you with Jesus. And if Jesus needed time with his father in chair time, how much more critical is it that we have chair time with him? And I think, boy, all the excuses that we tend to throw out there. Excuses like, well, I'm just, I'm so busy, I don't have time. To which I respond, well, clearly Jesus was busy and he made time. Or, or the excuse of, well, well, I'm doing okay on my own. I'm fine. I don't need help. I'm in control of what I have going on. To which I respond, that's great. Jesus was in control of, boy, most in control I've ever seen. He was the smartest person that's ever, I mean, and he needed chair time with his father. So if he does, I'm sure we do. But instead of going down that road, I don't want to spend the time destroying excuses. Instead, I want to spend the time sharing with you a story that touched my heart in a big way this week. And it's simply, it's a story found in the last chapter of the book of John. Let, let me read it with you. It says this, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. 
Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them some bread and the fish. I love this story. Because it's in this story we see this picture of a group of guys that are at the end of their rope. See, just a couple of days before, Jesus had been crucified. He was dead. And, 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 and here's this group of guys that, that they were convinced Jesus was going to become king. Not be crucified. They were convinced that, that Jesus was going to be the answer to everything. They had devoted their lives to following him. They had dropped everything, gave up everything to follow this guy who's now been crucified and is dead. They were confused. They were overwhelmed. So what did they do? They, they went back, just like we often do, they went back to everything they had ever known before. They went back to doing things their own way. They went back to running their lives the only way they knew how to run them. They were scared, and in John 21.3 it says, they went fishing. Typical men, going fishing. And in steps Jesus in this scenario to remind them exactly of how important chair time with him is. And in verse 12, Jesus says these powerful words to these men. He says, come, have some breakfast. It's with all the confusion they must have been feeling and all the questions the disciples must have had, Jesus never said to them, hey guys, come and, and let me tell you what to do. Or come and attend to my needs. He never says, come and let's just sit around and worry all day long with each other. He never says those things. Instead, he just simply says, come, have some breakfast. It was in this, this quiet moment. It was their chair time with Jesus that Jesus cared for them. He, he served them. He, he, he met their needs, and he met their needs exceedingly. Jesus gave them reassurance. He gave them rest. He gave them comfort. Jesus reminded them of his presence. He just, he just wanted time with them. The guys that he loved. I wonder, for you, in your life, do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel anxious? I know you do. Do you ever feel alone or, or busy or in turmoil? I know you do because we all do. And it's in those moments that I ask that you will remember the words that Jesus speaks to you. 
come, have breakfast. The chair environment here is a critical environment to becoming more like Jesus because it's in this environment where we can bring our hopes, we can bring our dreams, we can bring our thanksgiving, we can bring our cares and concerns, we can bring all of those things to Jesus and we can lay them at his feet. And after we lay them at his feet, then we can in turn pick up his peace, his care, his love, his presence, and we can know We can know without a shadow of a doubt that he's always waiting and wanting just to have breakfast with us. The chair is a critical environment to becoming more like Jesus. And maybe you say, okay, Charles, I'm convinced. I get it. So how? What do I do? Again, let me give you three steps as we close. First step is this. Understand that time with Jesus is never wasted time. It's never. When you have all the things that you have to do during your day, all the list and the busyness and the responsibilities, taking time to spend with Jesus is never wasted time. It is of utmost importance. And I understand here in this chair with Him, that is where I will receive peace. It's there I will receive direction It's there that I will receive all the things that I need to make it throughout my day. I will be better equipped to handle anything that comes before me in that day when I take this time to spend with Jesus. It's never wasted time to spend with Him. Uh, Maybe next step number two. It's to utilize what you've learned in the row environment. Take what you've learned here in combination with the chair. Take the sermon notes that you were given uh, when you came in to your chair time. Whatever notes or thoughts that you might have jotted down, take them and reflect and pray and talk to Jesus about that in the chair. You know, uh, every weekend, if you didn't know, The pastor who's speaking on the weekend writes three devotionals called Beyond the Weekend. And we email those out to you three times a week. And and if you want to get those, if you don't already get them, it's real easy. You just take your Connect card, write your name, email address, and write Beyond the Weekend on it. And we'll make sure to get you signed up to get those right into your email that you can have to use in your chair time. Maybe you pick up one of the Great devotionals, daily devotionals that are, are out there to help guide your thinking and your minds as you're, as you're talking to the Lord. And maybe, maybe you can't afford a devotional, and that's okay, because on, uh, you have a lot of free apps on your phone that you can download. Uversion has free apps, great reading plans, great devotionals. I use them all the time, all free, and I encourage you to grab those. Spend that time with Jesus praying. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for peace. Ask Him to fill you so that you respond during the day. Your attitudes and your responses will be just like His attitudes and His responses. Ask Him to fill you that day. So understand time with Jesus is not wasted. Utilize what you've learned in the row. And then the last one I give you is this. 
Eliminate distraction. I know what you're saying. I, I, I know many of you are like, you have no idea what my house is like. I have kids. If I get a minute in the bathroom by myself, I've done well. I understand. And so I want to tell you, chair time doesn't always happen in the chair. Chair time can happen in your car on the way to work where you just turn the radio off and you spend a few moments talking to the Lord about your day. Chair time, it, it can happen on a walk in the evening with your dog. Chair time can happen in the middle of a parking lot on the way to a difficult meeting. I have stopped in the parking lot and I've just said, Lord, I'm in this thing, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I need help, I need wisdom, and I've done that right in the middle of a parking lot. I've had chair time. You know, chair time can happen on a lawnmower seat in your backyard. Chair time doesn't have to happen in a chair like this. One of the biggest things for me is this. Eliminate this. I, I have to tell you, I get... All my messages here, I get emails here, text messages here, Slack messages here, all my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram notifications, all the games that I play get notifications. I get so many notifications sent to me constantly. In fact, while I'm standing here, some of my smart aleck friends are text messaging me. And, and uh, so I think I have about 12 or 13 messages just since I've been up here. I can't escape being connected. And setting this down on the table upside down isn't just enough. It has to go away. I want to encourage you, eliminate all distraction. Do what you have to do to have that time when you can spend with the Lord quietly. You know, it is, it is truly the environment of the row in the chair that is going to help us to become more like Jesus, I wonder today in your life, what difference will it make? How will you leave change today? Would you stand? I want to pray a benediction. This benediction comes straight from Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. He prays it for the church and I pray it for you. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how high, how long and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. Glory to him in the church and through Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen.